Thanks for joining us exclusively here today. I could say this right out of the gate, a whirlwind for you. Yep. The last 48, you know, three days or so, your entire staff. So let's open it up. What's it like now to take a step back and get to meet the players over the phone, make the call, have some in the building, yeah. and look back on what you did? Um, well, the, the call part, I mean, it's just – it's. Um, it's an emotional part of the weekend just because you know how someone's life has been impacted of, you know, you're getting to tell someone um, something that they've been working their whole life for. And it's a dream for them and it's a dream for their family. And it's, it's a, I mean, it's a ridiculously rare accomplishment to get drafted by an NFL team when you step back and you think about it. And so those calls are really special. They're really fun. Um, and then it's exciting. It's a, it's a rewarding part of the weekend. Um, stepping back is um, there's a lot of excitement. Um, there's a lot of, um, you know, encouraging things that we see with the draft class that we put together. And then there's also some reflection on some things that, you know, you would do differently um, from a strategic standpoint. And, you know, the, you, you always you always I always like to go back and, you know, um, be hard on ourselves. And, and, you know, there's a couple things I've learned here and there that, you know, we'll, I'll apply differently next year. And, and um, that's a part of the process, too. And so uh, but we're really excited about this class. Um, it was a fun weekend. It was a whirlwind. And, um, you know, I think we improved the team. Uh, before we get into the picks, the Al Davis moment with you, Peter King was there. We heard from Peter King on our flagship station earlier today. What did that mean for you now? Because the first time it was, wasn't rushed, but you didn't have your whole yeah. scouting department there. You reflect on year one. You didn't have a first and second round pick due to Devontae, which was a great move. How did it change this time for you with your calmness, the coolness of your entire room as you put the plan together and then you had to execute it? Yeah, it's, I think it's, you know um – just like you, when you're in school and you're preparing for a test, you know, if you're not very prepared, there's a lot more anxiety and angst um, going into, you know, going into taking that test. And so I felt like with uh, the group that we had put together and having a full year, Brandon Jurgen is our college director, Champ Kelly, obviously our assistant GM, heavily involved. Um, and the other group of guys that we've, that we've put together, our national scouts, Dewan Daniels, Andy Dangler, um, Sean Harak. Um, Lenny McGill, like we just have a lot of experience. We put a lot of work in. We put a lot of time and effort into this from the fall all the way up until uh, Thursday. And so we felt prepared and that preparation came across as I'd say an environment that was calm, cool, and collective on, on game day, if you will. I want to ask you about the senior bowl with Patrick Graham as one of the head coaches, yep. your staff being down there, your scouts. How big of an impact did that have when you had to make some, and we'll get to the individual ones in here in a few minutes, but when you had to go, that's the move we have to make. It's coming towards us. Put in the offseason and the Senior Bowl. Yeah, the Senior Bowl was a, um, a piece of the puzzle that we normally maybe wouldn't have if our coaches weren't involved. And that piece of the puzzle, um, what, that, what that gave us was information. We can see the tape and all that stuff, mm -hmm. like everybody gets that. We were able to get some inside information on what they were like in the meeting rooms, how they prepared, what their football intelligence was, how they interacted with teammates, a lot of the intangible things that um, you would not normally get unless you had a coach involved. And so those definitely had um, – made us feel more comfortable about certain players versus other players, knowing the full picture on, on, their, um, on their experience at the Senior Bowl. Dave Ziegler joins us. Let's get to the draft and Tyree Wilson. So I was predicting either Witherspoon or Gonzalez. I thought that was a need. thought Jalen Carter was in play with the Seahawks at five. Yeah. And then when we found out behind the scenes you wanted a couple of quarterbacks to come off the board mm -hmm. to have some defensive opportunities there. Walk us through that in real time because Tyree Wilson is the pick you wanted. But as the board was 
moving. You're a GM. Phone's ringing. You're on the phone. Yep. Walk me through that experience as you have your eye on Tyree Wilson, but he could be gone. Yeah, that's where there's the, the angst and anxiety yeah. comes as you're kind of looking at that. But as um, as we mentioned, you know, we'll, almost almost every pick that we go into, including this, including our first pick in the um, in the draft this year, you know, we have a group depending on 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 what the supply and demand is, four or five players that we're going to be comfortable picking. And um, yeah, we felt like if three quarterbacks went before we picked, that we were going to have a shot at one of the non-quarterback, you know, the defensive players. That's who it turned out to be, really, uh, including Paris Johnson. We felt like we were going to be able to get one of those players. And so um, once that um, the Colts picked um, Anthony Richardson, the you know the the temperature in the room went down. Everyone was excited and felt like we were going to get you know a really good football player there. And Tyree was a guy that we identified early in the process as one of the top defensive players in the draft. Uh, one of the players that we felt had a very high ceiling and a, a player that was just impressive on tape. His length, his explosiveness, his versatility in terms of alignment, versatility, and where he could affect the quarterback from. And we think the sky's the limit with him. And we also love the intangibles and mm-hmm. we love his mindset and we love um, the kid. Itself. We had him here for a 30 visit, which right. you know, got to spend some extra time with him. So, um, yeah, just fell our way. And, and uh, you know, we feel like we got one of the best defensive players in the draft. Dave Ziegler joins us. So at that time, a lot of the fans and a lot of analysts said, OK, if you're going to go up and you wanted to kick the doors initially with Chicago to get a quarterback or maybe at number two, if you like C.J. Stroud or if you like Richardson or Levis, who it was. Yep. When did that point come where, no, we're not going quarterback here. This is the guy we want. We know that because quarterback felt like it wasn't a need with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, just through the process, uh, you know, all the way starting, um, you know, at the combine. And then obviously we did a lot of visits um, during the pro day visits and spent time with a lot of people and had guys here for the 30 visits. And there were some other, you know, meetings that we had with, you know, with that group. And ultimately, um, you know, we just felt like um, based on the pool of players, the quarterbacks that were available in our current situation Mm -hmm. here, um, you know, that we felt comfortable with where we where we were at with Jimmy and, and um, you know, with uh, Brian here as the backup and just didn't feel like at that point of the draft that, um, you know, one of those one of those other non-defensive players was the best fit for us. Dave Ziegler joins us. I wanted to share this with you. I didn't share this with you. I was at the draft party and I was sitting with Max and Chandler. They were in one of the cabanas and I was getting ready to go up on stage at some point. I've known Max since he's come here, and he, you know, he reached out to him. Everyone knew. Max showed me it, and I was like, ooh, because Chandler was sitting there. I want to tell you it was one of the classiest things I've ever seen. Chandler Jones lit up, and he's like, I'm going to mentor that guy, and Max pumped his fist. That's interesting The two yeah. people that play similar positions were so excited to welcome in a new brother. I thought that was important to share because of the energy at that time. They both understood it. Yeah, two special individuals yeah. that, you know, put the team first. Um, both Max and Chandler, and and uh, they want to see us win football games, and they know that um, you know an effective defensive line. How important important that is to a defensive success, and they also understand that the best defensive lines come in waves. Right. And there's a lot of players that um, you know are, allow each individual player to stay fresh, to be as disruptive as possible. And um, you know we love both of those two guys, Chandler and Max, what they bring on the field, what they bring off the field, and that's just a great example of again the type of team first environment we're try- trying to build here. Now, before we get to Byron Young, and I want to go through all your picks, yep. what's the best case scenario you could give the fans about how Chandler can be on the field at the same time with Wilson and Max? Like, It doesn't have to be on the first play of the season. Sure. But if a team starts off on the 25 and they get to the 35 and you're starting to bring different packages,
packages in. Yeah. What's a scenario where the fans can understand that three of your defensive stars that play similar positions will be out there at once? Yeah, well, we feel like with, with Tyree specifically and, and, and uh, with Chandler also and with Max also to a degree that um, – but Tyree's lined up all over the line of scrimmage. And, and so um, his length, his explosiveness, it translates for him to be able to rush off the edge. It translates for him to be able to rush inside. And I think those other two guys can do that too. And I think what we're going to have the ability to do here this year is – um, you know, focus on some of the when we when we go into a game, we identify what some of the weak links and some of the problem areas that um, the other teams have. Whether that's a guard, whether that's a center, whether that's a tackle, we have three different players now that we can kind of piece together and and match up in specific matchups week in and week out um, to cause havoc and and to cause disruption. And we think all three of those guys can rush from the from the edge and from the inside. But Tyree's um, you know showed it this year his ability to do both. And so there'll be packages where all three three of those guys are out on the field um, causing disruption and and I would say this too and, and I want to make this point like whether it's Tyree whether it's Michael Mayer like the, here's the reality like all those guys start at the bottom of the depth chart yeah and they're all going to have to earn their way and they're going to all have to earn their keep and that's the message that we that our team knows that mm -hmm. and our team understands that and so um, he's going to have to earn it um, but if he reaches his potential there's going to be you know a package where easily those guys can all uh, be effective at the same time you know what the alumni mean to both of us and what it means to mark davis michael mayer goes to the post. 87, Dave Casper, same number at Notre yeah. Dame. Tim Brown at Notre Dame. Yep. Were you shocked, surprised? Did you have any scenario where he would be there in the second round? Because you want to go up and get him in the first round. He's one of your highest rated players. How did you think about that when you went home at night going, I'm going to get this player. I just got to figure out how to do it. Yeah, um, we. I was surprised that yeah. he was still available. I thought Michael was... Um, him and Dalton were the, the top two tight ends in the draft, and I did think they would uh, pr most likely go in the first round. And so, um, yeah, there was some excitement on our end once we got through the first round. And um, as, as you know, we mentioned the Peter King article, we Peter King article, we explored some opportunities to move back up at the end of the first round, and that didn't materialize. And so, yeah, we, we um, came back in on Friday morning and started to look at, okay, here's who's available, um, and started to explain, um, explore some trade opportunities to move up. And to get a player like, like Michael Mayer, um, a person like Michael Mayer, the leadership, the passion for football, and then just his skill set on the football field, which I think is unique. He has, um, for a bigger tight end, he has a unique set of um, – Short area explosiveness, short area quickness where you can see him separate. You can see him uh, make some guys look silly yeah. at the college level that were defensive backs, not just linebackers and things like that. So we were really excited that he was available um, at that time, and we were aggressive to go up and get him. Dave Ziegler's our guest. What impact did Nick Saban and his staff have on getting Byron Young from Alabama? I know the relationship from the Belichick years to yep. coming. I don't know your relationship with Nick Saban. Yeah. This is a big pick, number 70. Yeah. And I know we're going to talk about rotational players, but this is someone who's got to have an impact. He's a high pick for you. Yeah. Talk about the communication with Alabama on this. Yeah, well, uh, Josh, you know, was a GA for for Nick at Michigan State, and so and and Josh's relationship with Nick goes even back farther than that because um, Josh's dad, who was a uh, you know one of the top high school coaches in Northeast Ohio for a very long time, and had a ton of prospects. Him and uh, Nick and Josh's dad go way back, oh, and that's okay. how um, Josh got connected with Nick. And so, yeah, we talked to Nick. Um, um, Josh talked to Nick throughout the process on all the different prospects that Alabama puts out, which is a ton. And so we felt really good about Byron as, as the person and um, as the, um, 
football character mm-hmm. and, and, and a person that's going to be motivated to get the best of their ability as a player. Loved his length inside, loved his physicality, reset the line of scrimmage, um, loved his ability to separate from blocks and make tackles in the run game. And we also see, you know, as he said, he'll have to earn his way onto third down and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But we did some see some early down pass disruption too. And it didn't necessarily materialize itself into big sacks. But when you just watch the film, he's in, he can get on the edge. Um, he's able to power, power guards, power centers, disrupt quarterbacks, disrupt the pocket. And it doesn't maybe, again, materialize into sack numbers, but there's disruptive plays in there that we are excited about. I think we just had Rhett Lewis on, as I told you, from NFL Network, and he made a good comparison to the amount of pressures he got compared to Jalen Carter. It was close. Everybody thinks that Jalen Carter, who's a great player, had these numbers that compare to Aaron Donald. But when we look at what we get with Byron Young and what he's able to do, he's pretty close in regards to those, not only a great character player, very important to you, but his numbers were no joke, and he played in a lot of games. He did. Played in a lot of games, very durable, very tough, very physical. If you come out of that program mm-hmm. um, and you're one of the top players at Alabama, you're a good football player. And so, yeah, we expect him, you know, uh, again, he's going to have to earn his way. We expect him to make an impact, and um, that's going to be a very competitive room. Dave Ziegler joins us. So with true transparency, you hear my show from time to time. I'm screaming defense, screaming the whole offseason. And this is where I was going, whoa, okay, because yeah. I thought you were going to pound linebacker, maybe an offensive lineman, maybe go corner a little bit earlier and then you go trade Tucker before we get to Bennett the cornerback what was the moment there like because obviously if you're going to take Trey you had a feel like you had defensive players left on your board you knew you were going to get and there's some players there that you might go back and say I wish we would have got that guy a couple of years from now how critical was that season uh, that decision to go with a young wide receiver out of Cincinnati who's going to impact the team yeah, well, we, we had pick 100 and we had pick 109, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so there's a group of players there that we felt that we could get kind of between 100 and 109. Um, with Trey specifically, um, one, let me say, we see Trey as a wide receiver and, and not just a slot receiver. Excellent. We think Trey can okay. play on the inside. We think Trey can play on the outside. We think his quickness and his speed um, and his route running ability, not just running vertical, but you, if you watch his tape, um, he catches a lot of balls over the middle, a lot of balls in traffic, and um, he's a hard guy to stay with. And so we see him as a complete wide receiver that can move around the formation and make plays as a receiver. His speed and quickness is very unique. Um, it stands out on tape, and so he also has that element of a guy that you can get the ball in space to, um, along with his ability as a returner, um, along with his ability as a gunner, which is kind of unique for a guy that's his yeah. size to see a guy run down the field and, and tackle punt returners and things like that. But he did that at Cincinnati. Um, he's from Akron, Ohio, right? Which so I know he's tough, the wrestler. Um, yeah, and know that. so uh, which is you know where I grew up, mm-hmm. was born, and so um, yeah, we just felt like it was a really versatile skill set and a very explosive player. And uh, again, you can make arguments uh, on um, which I understand of mm-hmm. where he you know his consensus mock was and things of that right. nature, and um, it might have been that might have been lower than where, where we picked him. But on our board, we felt very comfortable with the pick there, and we felt like we were going to be able to either sit at 109 at the top of the fourth round and get a player that we wanted or what we ended up deciding to do is being a little bit aggressive there and go up and get Jacorian. That is a great segue as Dave Ziegler joins us to what this is this conversation's all about. You're getting your guys. You're not getting mock draft guys. Correct. You're not getting what another mock draft insider says. So this guy was clearly targeted by you and coach. Yep. And when you line him up in the slot or wide, if he makes a head fake, he's gone. He's the type of guy with Devontae on the other side, Jacoby Myers, Hunter, whatever happens. 
Jimmy could come out and all of a sudden see him in a certain coverage, and he's gone because no one can keep up with him. Yeah. He can get behind the back end of a defense. That's right, and we, and we love that explosiveness, yeah. and it's something we wanted added to the team. And I would just say this, again, best player available, um, which is something we've talked about a lot, mm-hmm. um, best player available is the, the film goes into that, the football intelligence goes into that, the football character goes into that. And so that's what goes into our best player available. We can't just rely on, right. on you know, the, the tape alone. It's your scouts. It's your work here. Bennett at corner. Interesting is everyone's saying, will Ringo be the fit because the dogs are going to Philly? And what's going to happen there? Another one that you had circled. This was a player I get the impression you were going to get no matter what. If you had to go get him in the third, if you were going to get him in the fourth or have to move up, walk me through that pick. Yeah, well, the um, once we drafted Mayer, let me go back. Once mm-hmm. we drafted Mayer and went up to get him, the corners went quick. Right, um, that was going to be the sacrifice, which we understood. And so um, the second round, a lot of the corners that um, you know were in that sweet spot in the second round went, which wasn't surprising. And uh, Jacorian was right in that mix. Mm-hmm. And so to see. Yeah, again, there's a little bit of a strategic element of understanding where potentially guys can go, and 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 again, there's a there's a success and failure rate to that. But Jacorian was a guy that our our coaching staff um, really really liked, our scouts really liked. Um, we saw an improvement in his play from 20, um, 21 to 22, his ability to find the ball um, and consistently make plays on the ball, which he did a lot of, his speed, um, his toughness, uh, again, his football character. So this was a guy, again, he was the best – he was our top corner at that time when we, were on the, when we were on that pick, when we considered all the elements that went into it. Well, you made a point that a lot of fans – we got a couple of fan questions for later on that they want to see guys who can get the ball. If the ball's in their hands, they're going to intercept it. They're going to knock down the ball. And I could pivot also before we get back to your quarterback and Christopher Smith out of Georgia, too, with Bennett. Guys on film that have a lot of takeaways. We've been waiting a long time around here before you got here to find guys who can catch the ball on defense and make a play and shorten the field. It seems like you have two here. Yeah, um, Ja'Korian specifically, I think he was – you know, maybe the second in the last two years in terms of ball production. Mm -hmm. A lot of pass breakups. a lot of plays on the ball, a lot of disruptive plays on the ball. And Chris was the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, you looked at Chris Smith and, and the um, the numbers aren't – don't jump. I think he ran 4-5-7. Right, yeah. He's not 6-2 or 6-3. What he is, he's a really good football player. He's very instinctive. He understands how to read patterns um, and see the, the pattern concept develop from the snap of the ball and put him himself, in, himself in position to make plays. And um, just love the player uh, and, and uh, love the pedigree on Christmas. Well, Amari Bernie coming in, former corner linebacker at Florida. He had that interception, that big one against Utah, instinctive player too. Dave, is the league going there where maybe 10 years from now or five, we're going to see bigger corners that morph into linebackers because they're just better in coverage? And maybe you got one here, someone you could throw out there in a certain package in a critical point in the game, and you know he'll find the football in the air, but at least he'll tackle and get to the ball carrier quickly. Yeah, and I think you're, you're seeing the, the, the box safety that mm-hmm. used to, you know, that used to be a big part of the NFL doesn't really exist any anymore, or it's not as popular anymore because um, a safety that's just a run defender, you might as well have a linebacker on the field if they can't cover. And so I think we're seeing some of these, you know, tall some of these safeties, you know, that have size that maybe would have been in that strong safety category moving down into the linebacker position. And, and Bernie's one of those guys. Divine obviously mm-hmm. did that too. And as Josh, uh, as Josh said when we talked about Bernie, there's a lot of dirty plays on. Table 
tape. And what we mean by that, he's just around the football. There's a strip. There's a fumble recovery. There's an interception. There's a sack. He's just one of these guys that consistently found himself around the football and consistently made plays around the football. And so we love that. We love the upside about it, of, of his development at the linebacker position. He'll be an, We think he's going to be an impact player in the kicking game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went down for the pro day to see Anthony, you know, Anthony Richardson, and we spent some time with Anthony the night before. And um, this guy, uh, Bernie, was the. I love how that works. You know, Bernie was a star of the show down there too. Um, you know, some guys had him at a four four eight between a four four eight and a four five one. The testing numbers were exceptional. The workout was really good. And then just talking to some people there on campus, uh, one of the just the top flight kids in the program in terms of leadership and just passion for core football. values that yes. you like. Wrapping up with Dave Ziggler, let's get to the quarterback O'Connell. Yeah. So a lot of fans said, "Wow, Hendon Hooker's still available mm-hmm. after day one," and we'll. Levis is dropping. This was a serious plan by you. You had to get a quarterback, a backup to start, obviously, not some star who could start year one. So this philosophy is really unique to me because, again, there were defensive players there and offensive linemen that could have helped you. Why'd you go quarterback there? Yeah, well, first, Aiden was a guy that, you know, we identified early in the fall as someone that we felt was going to fit. Um, and so we were excited about the player. When you watch Aiden O'Connell's tape, you see a lot of NFL throws. You see a lot of tight window anticipation throws from the pocket. Liked his mobility in the pocket. Now, a lot of people are going to say he's not an athlete that doesn't run. That's true. He's not maybe a, a sprinter there, mm-hmm. but he knows how to maneuver in the pocket. He knows how to have um, escapability within the pocket to get throws off. And, and so we liked the arm talent. We liked, um, like I said, his his ability to make tight window throws. And then we really liked all the intangibles and all the neck-up qualities as we went through. He was a guy that started as the eighth-string quarterback there yeah. and, and fought his way up. And so – what we to go back into your question though, um, you know, just through some research and through some of the intel that we do throughout the draft, we felt like there was going to be a run on quarterbacks, and we knew some of the teams that had, um, you know, had a, had their eyes on Aiden. Yeah, there were specific teams that had their eye on him. Correct. If you didn't get him there, you weren't going to get him. That's what we felt like. Right. You know, okay. right, wrong, or indifferent. Yeah. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. that's how we saw it, and and so we wanted to get in front of a couple of those teams to make sure we got we got him when we did because you know the one thing too that goes into this is um, as we've experienced the last couple of years. Trying to find the backup in free agency is um, is not really what we want to do. Um, one, they're players that typically are costing now um, anywhere between four plus million dollars, three, five, four right. plus million dollars, and you're making in that investment in a player that also might not know your system. So you're paying four or five million dollars for a backup quarterback. They also have to come in and learn the system to be able to add a player um, on a rookie deal that we know is going to be here for four years that we're going to be able to mold and groom in our system in a cost effective. Um, situation is something that um, philosophically for us is something that we believe in. Lastly, on the player personnel, what can you share with us with the undrafted free agents that you're comfortable telling us about as this process is happening now? Yeah. Um, Again, our group does a phenomenal Mm -hmm. job, you know, led by Brandon Juergen and Champ Kelly. Uh, that and, and, and all our area scouts and our coaches, that's their time to shine. Yeah. That's where they really um, – I put it in their hands and they run with and it and go. And you're demanding with them. This is yes. what they get paid to do. Yeah. That's why they're here. And that's why they're through. here. And so yeah. we let them do their thing. And uh, yet last year I think they proved um, that they're pretty effective in that way. Sam Webb. Luke Masterson, Isaiah. Um, we had a lot of players that were signed as college free agents last year that made the 53. 
Um, you know, Curtis McClendon, the the guard from yeah. Chattanooga, it was a really highly um, thought out. I can't believe after. he didn't get drafted. I thought that was a great find. Yeah, and, and, and he was a guy that had a lot of competition yeah, uh, in the okay. college free agency process. So excited about him. Um, and, you know, all those guys are going to have an opportunity to earn their keep. And as we tell all our guys and we tell our players that are on the already on the roster, we don't care where you come from. Um, we care what you do when you get here, and we're going to give you the opportunity to earn your keep. couple of questions from our fan. Versatile players. You seem to say that a lot. One of our fans say they want to know exactly what you mean by that because you have versatile players up front on both lines, offense and defensive, and it seems like you took some players here that are so versatile you can move them around. Yes. Position versatility is, uh, for a few different reasons, is really important to us. Mm -hmm. One, a guy that can line up and impact the game at different spots. Um, It makes it harder for offenses to prepare for a defense when you have guys that are moving around and they have to try to locate them and they try to have to, you know, form their plan around some educated guesses or where players are going to be. And so having guys that can do that – is important. The second part of that, whether it be the offensive line, whether it be a receiver, running back, whatever, whatever you whatever you call it, whatever position, um, their ability to play more than one spot throughout the course of a 17-game season um, is really important because we know injuries are going to happen. We know there's going to be nicks. Um, we know that there's going to be times where guys are going to have to step in into a new role. And for to have guys that have experience doing that and aren't learning it for the first time, um, we think is a, a really key element of team building. Dave Ziegler, as we wrap it up, one more question from a fan. Between now and training camp, do you plan on adding additions to the O-line, or do you seem to be set with this group? We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, We'll see what resources are, are available and what's out there, and we'll see how this group continues to develop. Um, there's not a – there's not a um, – a position on this team where we're not going to look to add a player that can help us if that's you know if that's what we identify with and those are conversations that you know we're going to we we have had but we'll continue to have and say uh, look at our roster look at where we have surpluses look at where we have needs and look at every other team in the league in the same light um, along with those players that are still out on the mm-hmm. street from that weren't signed as UFAs and right. so if we find a player that we feel that's going to upgrade the situation here or add competition um, we're going to do that and offensive line is no different. You know it's taken me a while to figure this out just in football in general following it this long that you always want the Howie Long, you want Lester Hayes, Mike Haynes, Charles Woodson but you're not always going to get them and the way you're building this team you seem to have guys that you know are versatile, they have to be faster, smarter, more explosive, and they have to be able to come in situationally and make big plays, even if they're coming off the field. And I want to end this by talking about character. A lot of guys don't want that. They want to play the whole game. They don't want to come off the field. And it seems like this building now is about a bunch of teammates that are going to be coming off the field. And there's going to be someone right behind them that might not have the star status, but they're going to get a a chance. They're going to get a couple plays in a row. If they play well, they'll get more in the next game. Is that the versatility and the type of player you're trying to bring in? Yeah. And we're looking for guys that, again, we want guys that are going to put the team first. And and again, if a guy earns the ability to play out on all three downs and he can do it effectively, then we're going to let him roll. But Mm -hmm. there's just an element of when you build a football team, the reality of the skill sets out there, there's guys that are going to have roles on first and second down there's going to be third down only players um, there's going to be guys that you know we want in the game um, in two minute situations at the end of the half or the end of uh, you know the end of the game or what whatever what, whatever the situation may be and so yeah that's what we are looking for and and um, we're also looking for guys again that have 
a passion for the game. And, and the reason that's important for us is because we want guys that are driven to improve right. and driven to grow. And, um, and so that's another important piece of the puzzle for us. And so, yeah, the versatility, um, you're right. Guys are going to have certain roles. That's how we want to build this roster. And, and if they earn more, then we'll gladly put them out there. I really appreciate all your time. Last question, Josh McDaniels, college friend, teammate, worked with him with the Patriots. He went to Denver. The time he came back here, year one to year two. Tell these fans something about him that can connect him with the fans even more about what you've learned from him, your friendship as a teammate yeah. to him evolving as a coach and how he can get the team to win more games. Yeah. Great man and great person. And he's a, he's a, you know, whatever the narrative is out there, the reality is this, these guys love playing for Josh McDaniels. Um, guys want to play for the Las Vegas Raiders. So anything that's, you know, the, these players don't want to come or this, than that, or I've seen a little bit of that um, narrative out there. Um, that's 100% false. Um, Josh is a great leader. Um, he has an open door, um, to an open, you know, open window with all these players, and he has a great relationship with this group. And that's why you saw the last past season when um, there was a couple ruts in the season where we lost three in a row. Um, I don't think we saw anything out there in the media of you know the strife in the locker room or you know um, issues here or a team that gave up at the end of the season. That goes directly back to Josh McDaniels and his leadership, the relationships that he creates with these players, um, the way that he treats these players, uh, the way that he treats the staff and everybody in the building. Um, he's, he's one of the highest quality leaders that I've been around. He's one of the smartest football minds. Everybody knows that offensively that I've been around. Um, but that whole, the whole narrative of, um, you know, there, there's an ego involved or, um, again, it's his way or the highway and, and things of that nature. They're just, they're just false narratives. That's not how we operate here. That's not how he operates. And um, just a great, uh, a great man, a great friend, and a very smart football guy. And there isn't anybody I'd rather be doing this with than Josh McDaniels um, because of how qualified he is as a coach and how qualified he is as a leader. Dave, thanks for the time and congratulations to your staff. They, they deserve a couple good dinners, some time back yeah. with their family now, huh? Yeah, we're going to give them a little bit of time and, right. and then uh, get right back at it and, and, and get ready for this next this season coming up. Thanks again. Thank you.